crap. How's I agree, man. Yeah, I was going to say, how's the day going? Because mine's been rough. I'm not going to lie. So it's not like mine hasn't been rough per se, but it kind of feels like it just, I know it began at some point and I know it's going to end at some point, but it feels like it's just been an eternity in between those two. It's, uh, like, I, I swear, I have just been staring ahead of me for, like, hours today. And it just, it feels like forever. Yeah. You just kind of, like, dip your paintbrush in the blah bucket and just paint across the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we're we're wrapping up the semester. And that means I'm doing a whole lot of, like, watching people work on final projects. Mm. And they don't ask me questions because they're not actually doing their work. Yeah. So they don't have any questions yet. But my email inbox is probably going to be flooded somewhere around uh, 10 o'clock at night on Friday since they've got till midnight <laughs> on Friday to turn it in. Something like that. And then it'll be my fault that I didn't respond. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm super excited. Oh, that's fantastic. Some things never change. What's What's been going on with yours? What, what made I, your day so blown? I had – like one of those headaches where like, so I sat down at my desk for work and you know, like you can feel it in the, in the, like between your shoulder blades and it just like starts to tighten all the way up to the base of your skull. And then it reaches over and tries to pull your eyeballs out, you know, Ooh, and you're yeah. just like, <laughs> I just want to, I don't want, I don't want to die, but I don't want to <laughs> feel anymore. <laughs> I'm really stuck in limbo. <laughs> and so, I mean, like I, I was just, I, tried to drink the bottle of Advil and then uh it took it took like five hours for it to wear off like with 800 milligrams of Advil and then stretching and exercise like had to do a, it was it was not going away man it was sticking around uh, Fine, it's rough it's gone finally but it was it made for a long work day but anywho uh, yeah I would imagine so enough whining from me all right let's yeah hit, likewise let's hit an intro Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkledoo podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. Okay, did you have anything good over, over the weekend? Well, you know, so I uh, I went in to the grocery store. I was not able to – I could not work up the motivation to actually get down to like a Total Wine or get down to King's or anything. It's reasonable. So I just hit the grocery store and they had uh, from State 48 their Hazy IPA, the the Suncast. And, you know, it, it was solid. Like it's a, kind of a weird one in terms of it. Starts off up front feeling like it's going to be really juicy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's very bright and very kind of juicy up front. Um, but it really has that resinous uh, kind of hoppy feel to it at the end that sticks around real strong. And so honestly, it hit me a lot more as I was drinking it. It hit me a lot more like just a normal uh, kind of West Coast IPA. Um, but it was all right. Like it was nothing. Yeah. Nothing spectacular, but nothing terrible either. Like it was, you know, don't don't get this one though if you're someone who, you know, you only like the hazy, the, the bright citrus yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I haven't had a whole lot of State Forty Eight. 
I've had a couple and they were good, you know, like, uh, and they're, but they, they seem like, I don't know how to say it. Like, like there's state 48 is the one that has all the breweries in Phoenix. So they have more breweries right. than I think anybody. And so they, they are very, they're still craft, but they are mass appeal kind of at the same time. Like they're trying to d- get the volume and they're trying to cover, take over Arizona for the most part. And they're, they're doing a good enough job. I think like if, if we were known for state 48 brewery, I'm like, I wouldn't be upset about that. No, absolutely. You know? Like, and that's exactly how I feel about this beer. Like, if this was uh, someone's introduction to Arizona brewing, I'd be like, ah, you know what? Not a bad entry point. Yeah. Uh, there are some other things that I like better that I'd like to steer you to, but I don't feel like this is going to slam the door on anybody. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I have had zero interesting things lately. I I, I was just thinking. I was actually thinking about it because I knew I had to talk about it. And I just nada, man. Like I, I had again more of the that Kona brewing. That, that's yeah. what it is, right? And yeah. I like I, I actually just really like them. Like there's something like you buy a variety pack that has like a golden lager, two types of IPAs, and a blonde ale or something like that, and they all taste exactly the same. Like <laughs> like you cannot tell the difference between them. Like, and, and so that's why this variety pack works for me is because like, I know what I'm going to get and I'm getting like 15 of them. And luckily it's just that right kind of balance that goes good with like hamburgers and, and this pizza. Like it's kind of hits the fatty piece. Okay. It's got enough hops there. And so like, it's just, it's just like a solid use it for everything kind of beer. And so like a 10 bucks for 15 of them or 12. Of, no, I think it, I think they put 15 in the, I don't know the little boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Deal done. Hey, you know, there you but, go, man. so I'm still, still cleaning out my, eventually I'll have to work over to the white claws that I bought. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there eventually, but not Looking yet. Forward to that. Not yet. All right. So <clears throat> we've been talking a lot about, a lot of random things actually recently. Like they all make sense to me because I'm the one dealing with the crap. <laughs> but uh, I think you said it when you when you sent the topic over to me and you said we've kind of had this as a like it's been running underneath the conversations for a while. I was like, oh, you know what? Like I think that's absolutely right. And I know it, it's been something that's been in my brain for a while. And some one of the reasons why I like Tolkien and Lewis. And their what is it? What is it called? Like Addie's Way or something like that. There, um, there, there was a, a trail that the two used to walk into oh, okay. the forest. So Tolkien and Lewis, uh, it was like from the school or one of their houses or something like that. And it was just like this little loop trail that went out into the forest and then back there because those guys were both very nature driven. Like yeah. they were very. I don't know what to call it. They weren't like most of the time we call them hippies, but they're not hippies They're but they're like they they had a great appreciation for the natural world. I was going to say, I think uh, like there there used to be this concept of a naturalist and mm. it was someone who like was not. I mean, they, they were knowledgeable about nature, but they were it was more like nature was their chosen field of study. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they wanted to be in the midst of learning more about spending time in and so yeah they had 
more expertise than like your your random person who goes on a camping trip every once in a while. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But they weren't necessarily like straight up uh, biologists or botanists or anything like right. that. They were just people who love nature. And I think that's right. uh, especially for people like them who are, you know, kind of in the, the heart of the industrialization. I was just about to go there. Yeah. Throughout Europe. Like it, it was a clear distinction for them. Yeah. Yeah. They, Yep. And that's, that's really like the topic today is about like technology versus nature. And you, you hit it right on there is that like when you read Lord of the Rings, you can see that both of those guys are like, I've seen the exactly the industrialization of war and it's not good. Like mm-hmm. we need to go back a little, like not necessarily go back, but they're like, we need to not just destroy nature. Like they, so you see it a lot in Tolkien stuff, you know, his appreciation for trees. Um, yeah. But then also like the Ents versus Isengard and stuff like that. Like sure. it, it comes really into it where it's like the industrialization or quote unquote technology, which we'll be referring to mostly versus walking, fighting trees, you know, like yeah. it, it's, it's not, it's on the nose. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it like so much. So in fact, I, I love one of the descriptions from Treebeard, the, leader of the Ents, or at least their main representative that we encounter in uh, Lord of the Rings, when he's discussing, like, Saruman, the the white wizard who's fallen, you know, he talks about this idea, like, he used to come out and walk in the woods, but his mind is all of wheels and gears now. Mm. It's like, oh, well, that's, you know, Tolkien, he's subtle when he wants to be. He did not want to be there. <laughs> no. He's like, yeah. no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. All of your cogs and machines and wheels and stuff. Ooh, yeah. All right. Look, don't get too fascinated with them. It is the path of evil. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And so, you know, like we've we've bemoaned. And I, it's funny, you know, I was thinking about this too, is that like every generation has always bemoaned the good old days. You know, and like it was better back then and you see the new coming and, you know, our kids are going to be like, oh, it was better back then. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the thing that we're complaining about now a lot of times is social media. Like we're seeing that or we're seeing the phones and we're seeing, I mean, we had the conversation again before, like where like the old, our brains haven't changed, right? The older civilizations created things that we've never been able to recreate. Mm -hmm. But we are also having like this, like kind of renaissance of technology like we're doing things with technology that have has never been anywhere remotely close like they were doing cool stuff carving stone but they didn't have portable computers in their pockets you know like it's a different game and this has all happened in like not even 50 years yes you know like it, it has just exploded and you see, uh, and so I guess like when something is happening that fast and, and we see the older generation saying, I don't think this is good. Like, what is it that we, that we are really digging at when we say, oh, I don't think this is good or, or it was better back then type of a thing. Well, I think part of what we're getting at is like an actual truth, you know, that, that is objectively real is that, um, we have a tendency to be so focused on the gains of our progress that we don't necessarily do a good job of thinking about what's being sacrificed in that quest. And like, I think, I think that 
both are absolutely true and absolutely right. You know, that the gains in technology, the things that it can do, the benefits that come with it as far as quote unquote progress goes, they're very real. And that's why we are right to mock the old sticks in the mud. Oh, you know, back mm-hmm. in my day, blah, blah, blah. get off your phone and write a mm-hmm. letter. Like, okay, you know, if you're that reject that prone to reject everything new that comes out, yeah, there's a great deal of folly in that and a blindness. Yeah. But we still need that voice because we are all still two-year-olds and something shiny and new has popped up and all we see is that it is shiny and yes. new and we don't have the awareness to be able to say, oh, no, no, you know what? This is cool. But you know what else was cool? The idea that someone reaching out to you, it was an act of genuine uh, love and interest mm-hmm. because it wasn't something that they could just do because they happened to be sitting around bored and they pulled their portable computer out of their pocket right. took and intention. sent a message halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. Like they actually, they thought about you enough and were committed enough to contacting you that they were, they were going to sit down and they were going to craft a letter knowing that they were going to have to wait days to weeks, depending on how far away you are uh to to hear back from you Mm -hmm. and that there was a lot of things that could go wrong in terms of you not being able to get this message and those kinds of things and so we do we need that awareness of what's been lost so that we can make a decision yeah about what's worth keeping and what's worth moving forward on yeah and uh, you know what's funny is that this hits the head the nail right on the head with jurassic park like reading that so there's a line. Have you have you read the book? I have not. Okay, but you've seen the movie. Oh yes. And you know, there's the line from Goldblum where he's like kind of going on the, the, you know, like you progress, but nobody asks. You know, you ask, can you? But nobody asks, should you? Right. And like that was the most vanilla, underdeveloped version of that. That in the book is like I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is. This was like, I want to like print it out and like send it out to the world. It was like, it was so amazingly written. And he really is like, that's really the the premise of Jurassic Park is that like, we're doing progress for progress's sake. And, you know, and he had a little bit of capitalism mixed in it, you know, like you're just trying to create something so that you can patent it so that you can sell it. And you're not asking any of the repercussions, right? And the repercussions in that story were very clear because there's <laughs> dinosaurs eating people's guts, you know, yeah. like. Like they do. It it happens. And so it it really does. It asks, you know, like we're moving so fast and and we're not asking that question. What are we losing when you're going this fast? And just like think of you're on vacation. Like if you were just going 100 miles an hour to your destination, what did you miss on the way there? Mm -hmm. And and it's probably a lot. Yeah. I mean, and I think – Getting to that specific question, too, is important. Like, so what is it that with our, you know, in this conversation of like nature versus tech with the, you know, and the irony is not lost on me. You and I are recording this podcast while looking at each other on computer screens (laughs) from dozens of miles apart as we're doing this with like virtually no lag or difficulty. So, no, no, no. Like, I, I get it. Right. But in terms of what's being lost, though. I think is uh, 
The same thing that's lost anytime you up the degree of separation. Mm. Like, and so when you think about like what we're doing right now, this conversation is still good, still meaningful, still glad we're having it. And we are genuinely able to grow deeper in our relationship now than we would be if we weren't doing this. Mm -hmm. However, we're not growing in our relationship in the same way that we would if you and I were uh, sitting in a room together, opposite sides of a table, having the conversation, sharing a beverage, you know, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Like there are things that are being lost here because of the separation. And I think specifically when we think about you know, the, the, the key for me, at least when I think about the advantages of being actually in nature is that proximity to the one who created it. Mm. Like that's very well said that idea that I am, you know, right in the midst of creation as it was created. You know, when I'm out in the woods outside of Payson going for a walk and it's like, Oh cool. Here is a path that people have made, but over here is also the very natural path that you can see. This grass is like trampled down because deer and stuff have gone there. Mm -hmm. This is just naturally how things have happened. These trees are growing here because this is where a tree fell. And then after a fire, this was a clear spot where the new tree could come and be brought into life. It's just through these natural processes of the creators. It's not human planning that's made it happen. And so you're able to kind of interact with it with fewer separations. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. I'm here talking to you in a house surrounded by like wood beams, wood furniture, uh, plastic, metal, all of these things that, you know. Their core components, what they're made of, all came from nature. Right. So I'm still in the midst of creation, but it's got additional uh, mediators. It's got additional uh, degrees of separation between what it was created to be and what it is now. And that's Mm. not automatically a loss. Mm. That's part of what it was given to us for, was to make use of. But... When I look at a brick wall, I am looking at what man has done with nature. Mm -hmm. When I'm out in the woods, I'm looking at what God made nature as. And there's this kind of primal presence to it. Absolutely, there is. Yeah. And and there's also... So for me, like I, I, that degree of separation is really good. I never thought of it that way. Because for me, like one of the things I notice when I go out into nature is the size of it, which I, of course, right, like I was just talking about the size of time and space and everything yeah. in the last one. But like when you're in nature, it's, it's big. Yeah. And, and you have a sense of bigness, of greatness, like that, that there's so much more. Like when you're looking at the ocean, you don't be like, Oh yeah, I can contain that. You're like, no, that is, that is huge. And then when you go and you feel it and you're like, that is the most power I've ever felt in my whole, like, it's amazing kind of power. And so like when you go into nature, not only does it, is it kind of expand you, but you, you kind of feel like that expanse is almost 
limitless because that's mm. the kind of sense that you're getting that that's big, but God is so much bigger. And then when you get, you know, to us, you know, trying to be our own little gods by creating things and we have our cell phones, which makes everything smaller and smaller and smaller and then contained and more contained you're you're like living in this little tiny four by six box and oblivious to to the outside right and so like i've always kind of felt it i've never taken the time to try to explain it but just getting out there like i I would feel trapped in the city right and and with my cell phone and i just feel like the walls are just kind of like closing in but then when i go out to the forest and I, i i even if i have my phone on i'm taking pictures of the kids and stuff like it's just big and I feel like yeah. I'm not trapped anymore. And, you know, like it's a weird feeling, but like it's just it's freeing. And then the technology seems trapping like it, it's pinning me down into a small space. Whereas when I'm in nature, it's like opening me up to to bigness, for lack of a better word. Bigness isn't a word I know, but that's the only thing no, that I mean, expresses what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think that's a totally legit uh use of the word like there is there's a a scale to it man that is just beyond and i think part of because like you can look at man-made things that are also massive and impressive Mm -hmm. and all of this but again there's that difference in knowing what the source is like i know that it is beyond me. When I look at a large tree, for example, mm-hmm. it is not just beyond me. It is beyond the human mind to fully grasp the intricacies of this tree. Like the idea that uh, these elemental components could be arranged in such a way as to now uh, take in carbon dioxide and produce oxygen to absorb sunlight like we can understand that all of those things are happening Mm -hmm. but we can't understand the process by which it happened at least not fully whereas when you look at something that is man-made again even though it's beyond me like i look at my cell phone and it's like oh no i have no clue how this works but i know the human mind can figure it out Because Mm -hmm. the human mind has figured it out and is the one that built it. And so then, and this is partially like my own arrogance on things, but because I know that the human mind can figure it out, to me, I'm like, oh, well, then I need to understand how this works. And and no, I don't. But for me, I think that's part of where that trapped feeling comes in. Because it's like, I know that it's understandable. And so I must comprehend it fully. And this becomes an additional pressure for me. Right. Right. Uh, whereas when I'm out in nature, it's like, oh, okay. Like one of my favorite things to do is go to a place without a whole lot of like artificial light and at night just look up mm-hmm. at a starry sky because it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, I, I get now when God told Abraham, count the stars in the sky if you can. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, no, no, that was a. God said that knowing Abraham was not going to sit there and go, okay, one, <laughs> two, and like, oh, no, there's too many. No, like, it's one of those things. Like, as soon as you look up, you're like, uh, no, yeah. no, that ain't going to happen. That is so clearly and vastly beyond me. So instead, what I'm going to do, Lord, 
is I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to worship you because you know how many stars there are. And I know that if I dedicated multiple lifetimes to it, I would never know how many stars there are, let alone be the one to place them. Right. Like, yeah, no, no, this is, this is yours. Yeah. You had, you had a really good point there on the, when you were talking about the control or the wanting to fully under understand it. One of the things that's interesting. So like I tell the, the girls this a lot that like, again, this is more of a practical local example, but like when they're sick, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, their their mind is trying to control everything. And I'm like, babe, just take a breath. Your body knows what to do. Okay. Like it, I, I don't know how else to explain it to you, but like your body knows what it's to do. Let your body do what it needs to do. And it's kind of like when you're in nature, like nature knows what it needs to do. Like you don't have to control it. Whereas here, like I feel like I have to control every facet of my life. Like I have my calendar. I have my, my menu for the week. I have work schedule. I have play schedule. I have soccer game, you know, like all the crap, like it's all about maintaining control. But then in nature, you don't have to because like the deer know where to go. The grass knows what to do. The water goes the direction. The wind goes that direction. If you just don't screw it up, it will be fine forever. You know, like it, it, it knows what to do. And so like I, when you go out there, like I can literally let go of control because the only thing I have to control is my, my family safety. And sure. I have to burn some wood later in the evening. Like that's all I have to control. And, you know, it, it does frustrate me, like, when I can't control the fish biting my hook. Like, that aggravates me. But, sure. again, that's part of it. Like, you're not in control of this thing. Like, you're part of the system now instead of trying to control it or, or outside the system trying to put it under your command. Now you're you're just part of, part of the system, you know? No, absolutely. Like, you are – and I think that's one of the – one of the key things for us to remember too, because uh, you know, if you've been listening to us for more than two episodes, you you already know that generally speaking, if Brandon and I are discussing hippies, we're not doing so in a favorable light. <laughs> um, true. I, yeah, like not our not our strongest example of charity, but uh, like at the same time, I think that's one of the key distinctions between the idea of. You know, going back to talking about Tolkien and Lewis, you know, one of the big differences between them and the way they talk about nature as kind of naturalists versus, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, tree-hugging hippies mm-hmm. is that there was not an assumption in either of them that nature was always going to be kind and good and beautiful. Mm. Like... You know, there are there, one of the first threats to the hobbits in their journey in the Lord of the Rings is old man Willow, yep. like a tree that's trying to genuinely like crush and eat them, turn them into soil nutrients. Yeah. Like, look, nature is incredible and it's powerful and it deserves our respect. But at the same time, it's not like inherently better than we are. Right. And we're not distinct from it. Like, it is about establishing what that relationship is, you know? Like, we are part of nature. Like, the fact that we exist and the fact that we interact with nature and everything is a good and proper thing. 
we need to be careful going back to your um the book version of the gold bloom thing like we need to be aware of the repercussions just because we have found ourselves in a position where we have the power to do what we want to nature and nature does not immediately take its vengeance on us right doesn't mean that there's not going to be consequences later but yeah like you know we are we're part of that system like you said the the fish that don't bite on the hook that's because they're ones that have figured this game out a little bit (laughs) right not because they're incredibly intelligent but because mm, some of them have got like a hook still stuck in them from (laughs) from the previous fisherman who came by right and so they've learned ah a worm that randomly appears in front of me is not always my friend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, rolling right into that, that part of the system is I'll jump into my life lesson here is finding that balance. Right. So one of the interesting things about going into nature is that you find that you, you have to work with it, right? Like you can't, you can't control it. Like when we were just going camping on our own, like, you can't just, you know, like I wish I wanted to. There's times when I ran out of water and wish I could just hit a rock like Moses and get water, but you can't. So, like, you have to work with the land. You have to go with the water. And, you know, there's a certain level of balance that we don't have in our modern life. You know, we're all stressed out and have these mental health issues. And it's most of it's because we're just we're wound tight and we're we're completely out of balance. And so one of the things of getting back into nature, one of the benefits for me is – is finding harmony, right? There's you and what you can control. And then there's everything else out there that you cannot control. And you you kind of find a rhythm and you, like one of the things I remember is how bad my ears hurt when I go out into the woods because I'm not used to the quiet, right? And then so like there's really, like it takes me a couple of hours to let go of that anxiety because I'm used to the white noise of the city. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I've been in a place that's not natural for a really long time. And so it takes me a while to adjust. And then when I adjust, I'm like, okay. And then you can kind of get your legs back under you. And then you can bring that back home and keep your harmony for a little while. So it, I'm not saying that everybody's got to move out into the sticks. But, like, you you have to get out there enough to find the harmony, to reconnect, to learn the lessons that God has put into nature for us to learn. And I think for me, that's kind of where my life lesson is going to on a similar vein is this idea of uh, nature is really good at teaching us our limits. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. important for us to know those. You know, like yeah. you said, the stress in my life, at least the majority of the time when I'm like getting really stressed out, it's because I am kind of going back to some of our idolatry conversations from the last couple of ones, I'm making a little God of myself. Mm-hmm. Like I am trying to run the universe instead of trying to like do my job, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that idea of being out in nature, like you said, you know, it's when you go out and you're exhausted, it's like, Oh man, I probably should have turned around a little bit earlier. Uh, Well, it's all right. I'm going to get on my phone and call an Uber out to the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, no, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess now what it is is I find a decent spot to, like, sit down, catch my breath, get things back 
where they need to be and then I'll turn around and head back. But like there's a limit to our power and to our control and recognizing that um, is really, really important to recognize that there are things within our control and we need to focus on those mm-hmm. because the rest of it is just going to destroy us and we're not going to be able to focus on the things that we could actually do something about. Yeah. It's humbling. So I think exactly that, that, hu- that humility that comes from recognizing, oh yeah, these trees, these animals, this weather, like all of it is beyond my control mm-hmm. and I have to adapt to it and work with it to accomplish anything. Yeah. And like you said, if you can bring that back with you into your daily life, this idea that, oh, you know, no, I'm not in control of traffic. Oh, I'm not in control of whether my students are going to mm. do this work or not. I'm mm. not in control of whether mm. my children are going to listen to me or not. So I'm going to do my part and then I'm going to be there for my next part. I like that. I like that. That's good stuff. That's very good. What else is very good and natural is the coffee that we make. So if you like our meaningful conversations, would like to support our mission of of encouraging meaningful conversations, which we define as those conversations that give you energy. And ultimately, we believe if there is a meaningful conversation, it's going to bring you closer to Christ. So if if you like what we do and would like to support us, we, we encourage you to go to the website, buy a bag of coffee i roast it fresh ship it to you and and that keeps us going so aj you got anything else on your brain man not just my longing for my pillow oh boy that's the truth all right with that everybody will say i do hey everyone thanks again for listening to another inkledoo podcast we hope you really enjoyed it we really enjoyed making it If you did enjoy it, please do us a favor and make sure to share it on all your own social media so that other people can find us and enjoy us as well. 